Hi, welcome to Amory, where it's our intention to bring more love into the world, one vulnerable conversation at a time. I know as a parent, perhaps you also are craving more books that normalize polyamory with a vocabulary and story that kids can understand. Um, I know I want my kids to see their family explained and reflected back to them in a book. And that's why I was so excited to interview Mariana about the book she's written called A Color Named Love. She is non-monogamous herself. And when thinking about having kids, she noticed really a lack of children's books normalizing love in all of its forms. So I hope you will join me in not only listening to this beautiful podcast where Mariana talks about her own story, but also in going on right away to the Kickstarter campaign and ordering your book of this beautiful, beautifully illustrated and beautiful story called A Color Named Love. Thanks so much for supporting and enjoy the podcast. Okay. Wow. Okay. It's going to be really emotional. There is no loss for being honest. The real work of life is the work that we do inside ourselves. The responsibility we feel towards the world, like questioning, challenging, say something. It's raw and vulnerable and open conversation. That was the best part. I'm scared of friendship. Taking a breath. Just talk. Shame and guilt. Vulnerabilities. That was about to be What does it really mean to be friends? But we trust the you. real work that we do is overcoming our insecurities every day and learning how to love more. It has examples of the change we want to see in the world. Just talk. taking a breath. So if we just take a breath. Well, my face is on fire from the doctors. <laughs> to have healthier relationships with women, they need healthier relationships with other men. The real work of life is the work that we do inside ourselves. So I'm in an open relationship with my husband, and my husband and I sold our house 10 months ago. We have twins that are four years old, we travel around the world, and this is my boyfriend. (laughs) Thank you so much for listening to Amory Podcast. One of the things that you've probably heard me say over the course of this podcast is that all relationships are learning vehicles. You've also probably heard me say that the learning path of polyamory is pretty steep. And one of the things that we have to deal with, all of us at different moments, are the feelings of jealousy. And that's why I'm so excited to share that we've newly released our online program called Transforming Jealousy. This is a lot of our learnings all packed into dozens of unique audios that you'll only hear in that course, as well as writings, some journal things, um, some of our fellow Amory community members sharing their perspectives and learnings on jealousy. And it's also continuing to grow as we continue to learn and add more. We would love for you to check it out. You can take a look at what we've included in there in the program by clicking on the link of our Instagram bio or going to emerypodcast.com. And you can take a look at um, that program, Transforming Jealousy, as well as the accompanying webinars. Now there are webinars that we'll do uh, between one and three a week, and those will be included for free when you purchase the online program, Transforming Jealousy. There are also standalone webinars if you're kind of like, well, I need a little tweak here with processing my fears and, oh, I really want to understand why it's so important for me to become aware of my own needs and wants in the relationship so that I can move through my jealousy quicker. 
All of those and more will be available as webinars and included in the, the program Transforming Jealousy. If you can't tell, I'm super excited. I personally poured a lot of my own learnings into there and I'm so happy to share with you. I hope that it supports you on your learning curve of practicing polyamory or exploring open relationships. Also remember that we do offer one-on-one coaching, so please reach out to us um, via direct message on Instagram if you'd like to set up a coaching program. Otherwise, we're happy to share learnings for free in this podcast, so we hope that you enjoy, and thank you so much for spending a little time with us. Hi, Mariana. Hi, Hi. how are you, Megan? (laughs) Oh my God, I'm very good. I'll practice my Portuguese with you. Tudo bem? (laughs) Tudo, você. Tudo bem, sim, você. Também, estou ótima. Uh-huh. So I feel like you might be our first international guest on the show. Um, tell our listeners where you're from. I'm from Brazil. I was born in Brasília, which is the capital, but I lived in Sao Paulo for a long, long time before I came to New York. Yeah. And if anybody has been following our story, they know that we spent a good four or five months in Brazil when we first started traveling. So eu gosto muito, muito, muito a gente do Brasil. <laughs> I like the people in Brazil. I like the life there. Yeah, I miss it a lot. But you don't live in Brazil anymore. Where do you live right now? So me and my husband, we moved to New York two years ago. Uh, so I could make my master's and work here as well. So we, we shift a little bit. Yeah. So you're in New York now and life is very different probably than what we were anticipating. I would love to hear more about your story. So you and I connected because you have this idea, this not only idea, but this actual tangible thing that you're creating, which is a book called The Color of Love. And I am just so excited for you. And that's based on your personal experiences and your desire to want to have a children's book that talks about love in all of its forms and specifically the polyamorous love that, that you've started to experience. And obviously that's where our stories interconnect. And I would love to hear more about your personal story. How did you, I mean, you can start wherever you want to start. I'll just leave it at that. (laughs) Okay. So the book is called A Color Named Love. And yes, and if I can go back a little bit, I was born in Brazil and my family is really, really big there. I have a a grandparent and a grandmother that were married for like 50 years now and they've been together forever. And I was born, my mom was a single mom when she had me and I was raised with her and my grandparents next to me and all her brothers and sisters as well. She was super young when she had me. So we had like this huge community in Brazil, which is my grandma's house. That's my safe space. That's the place I always want to go, the place I love to stay. And I felt so safe and so much support around me. And I had that huge, huge family. And polyamory was never a thing for me because it was not a thing in Brazil, not even for my family and friends of my family. When I was a child, I think we're always put across those movies about the one, who is your Prince Charming? How is your one binary relationship? And I think that was always what was on my mind. I wanted to get married. I wanted to build a huge family like my grandma has and with my kids and my siblings and everyone else. And Time started to pass and I decided to get married. So I got married to Rob, which is an amazing guy. He's also Brazilian. He's from our hometown, but we met in Sao Paulo. And when we got married, we were not polyamorous. We were not, we were monogamous. When we started going out, there was not such a thing about non-monogamy for us. Because like I said, it was not talked about. It's not something very common between my family. 
And then me and Rob kind of slowly started to open ourselves to new people. It was very organic, very natural, very easygoing, the way that we started to hook up with friends, friends of friends, go out with friends. And that was something that really helped us connect as a couple because it made us more confident on ourselves and on each other and on the relationship. So for me, it was as if I had like this blindfold and then boom, a whole new world opened up for me of possibilities. What can I do? What can't I do? What are the rules? What are the regulations of an open relationship? Because there's so many new rules. But there's also so much opportunity for exploring, self-exploring and exploring with each other. Yeah. Oh, that's beautiful. I I have so many questions and they happen so organically and it sounds easy. You made it sound like, oh, we just started opening things up. Was it that easy? Were there things that you had to talk about when you said you started connecting with friends? How did you navigate those early conversations? It started easily because it started without us having to talk about it because we had a huge group of friends in Brazil. We're very connected one to the other, a lot of guys and girls, and we're very open, open to everything, open to all sorts of relationships and ways of being. It's always Uh, very Can I just say, that is one reason why I love Brazilians. I know that that's a stereotype, (laughs) but I love that openness. (laughs) I really do. It's one of the reasons why we decided to go to Brazil first, just that, that feeling itself. So, okay. Thank you. Sorry for my interruption. No, no, you can't interrupt, of course. And I'm so glad that that's why I identify so much with our country. Like, that's what I missed when I came to New York, that openness to everything. And for me and Rob, it was always very natural to be this open to all the things in our lives. So we were with all of our friends. And it was something very funny that happened, actually, because I was with Rob, we were monogamous. And then there was this one girl that always wanted to hook up with him. She was always in the party. She was always around us. Like, she was always trying to get something with him and he was like no I can't I have a girlfriend no I can't I have a girlfriend and then one day he was like oh you know that girl she's always like trying to talk to me she's always trying to hook up with me and I told her no and I was like oh okay so I met her on a party and she was like looking at him so much and I was okay let me do something so I went there hi and she was like (laughs) and I was I saw your look at my husband and it's fine if you want to kiss him you can but you have to kiss me first (gasps) oh my god she was so shocked she was like no Uh, no, no, of course not. I have a boyfriend. I can't do that. She was like shocked. And then I was like, Rob, Rob, I just told this to her. And it was very natural. I didn't ask anything to Rob. I just went there because I'm very impulsive. Like I can see how I'm like that. And then Rob was like, well, the thing you did was kind of cool. And she was kind of not cool by not accepting. So I think it like lighted up that switch in our minds of like, hmm, Maybe this is an option. Maybe we can do this. How can we do this? You know? Mm. So I think it kind of started like that. And then gradually, like naturally, it was okay for me to say, oh, Rob, I'm interested in my friend. I want to hook up with her. And like, there were all sorts of crazy stories in between. But Mm. for me, the main thing was when we saw me and Rob, that this was a thing, this could happen. And we felt okay and safe by having that. We were like, okay, let's start it in a way. Wow. Wow. At that point, was it just something that you were starting to feel or did you start to reach out for resources? Did you know the word polyamory or open relationships? Had you started to see it anywhere? Was it just a process that you were going through just you and Rob together? Funny that you ask. I've never thought about it, but now that I think about it, it was very organic and honest. Yeah. I didn't look for anything. I didn't research because I think 
we're kind of used to this multi-partner thing in our lives from like our, from, we've seen it a lot. Like people split up, then there's like the mother's boyfriend and there's like your father's girlfriend and then there's like the aunt and then someone else new and a friend so like there's this thing of a lot of things going on and especially with my friends in brazil we had this like i told you this openness mm-hmm. and we started going out with our friends and there, there was like the first time that i kissed someone else that i kissed a girl it was a really really good friend of mine we were in a party having fun dancing and like and i just felt that i liked her so much i loved her so much that it was beyond just being friends like I had a feeling of the for her but not in love with her but really so much compassion and so much love between the two of us so my bad was that I didn't tell anything to Rob and I was like hi friend let's kiss everyone was together she was like no in front of everyone I've never kissed a girl I'm shy so I say let's go to the corner we went to the corner we kissed we came back I told Rob (laughs) and Rob was like okay he was fine and then the other day he was like let's talk about it how did you feel? Why did you do that? How can we do it? Can I do the same thing? We started adding these questions and these answers to our relationship and adding these little regulations because since it was so new, but it felt so natural, it just organically went like this. So I think- I was just going to say, actually find that to be kind of a pattern where people organically start feeling this, you know, to, to want to open up, have maybe an experience or two or a little bit more. And then once people are stepped on the path, you know, like the original step is usually like that and then go, wait, whoa, wait, where are we? Okay. Are there other people on this path? What's happening? And that's the point where people start doing a little bit more outreach. And maybe that was more my, my process as well as I was already on the path before I started even questioning, well, what is this? Are there other people doing this as well? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I think you feel the same. Like when you open that door, oh my God, well, everyone, everyone is non-monogamous. Wait, what's going on there? What's going on here? Like you start to build so much connections just by opening up. Like, I think you felt the same, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh my God. Yeah. As soon as we started connecting with this community, the Amory community and putting our story out there, I mean, that was already a little bit down the path. We were already had an open relationship for about a year before we started recording Emory. but I, because I didn't know anybody that was also on this path and we weren't on social media yet. So I felt so alone. I felt like I just felt so different. I'm like, I'm going through this experience and I don't know anybody else that is. But as soon as we started sharing our story and connecting with other people, I just felt so understood and so validated and connected. And obviously now this is a beautiful community and I didn't know I was missing it, but I felt it, you know, I felt that I was missing something, but I didn't know what I was missing. Yeah, I think, no, totally. Because I think the, that sense of belonging is really important because when you feel you're alone, like, okay, you want to do this and I want to kiss my friend. If I had a, a group of friends that wasn't were not accepted, acceptive of this, they would be like, no, they would shut me off. And that would make me feel so hurt. And I would feel wrong. Like, am I doing something wrong? And, and is this incorrect? And But because my friends were so open and because we started hooking up with all our friends and we started having this like love connection with all of them right before we left Brazil, we just felt we belonged somewhere. So we didn't feel the necessity at first to look for other communities outside ours because that mm-hmm. felt so natural to us that we were like no this is not not a, not a weird stuff it's a regular stuff mm-hmm. and then I remember I was like sitting at the table with my mom right before getting married with Rob and I was like my aunts it was my my godmother and my mom and some friends so like six seven people all older than me because all of my mom's friends and uncle and I was like yeah so actually me and Rob sometimes we kiss our friends 
And then everyone was like huge eyes. My mom was like, I'm not ready for this. My godmother was like, what? <laughs> everyone was kind of shocked. But because for me, it felt so natural and it felt I wanted to share something with them because mm-hmm. I've always shared, like I overshare with my mom sometimes. Sometimes I'm like, mom, no, you don't want to listen to this. <laughs> but I felt like sharing because it was so natural and it felt normal to me. But apparently it's still not that normal. <laughs> <laughs> Especially maybe with the older generation too. So wait, you shared that on your wedding day? Like the day that you were getting married? No, like okay. one month before, like a family oh, trip. Yeah. And then it was like, I knew that on the table, it was only seated my mom and my godmother, which are more, my mom is a psychologist. They're more the open part of the mm-hmm. family. Like, and even them were like, uh. so <laughs> I was like, oops, I have to watch out and maybe see who and what I talk about. Yeah. yeah, no, but that's beautiful because I also had that feeling too. And I think many of us do this desire to want to share and not hide. For me, it was a sense of hiding and I didn't like hiding. I don't like lying. I don't like feeling that I'm withholding information or hiding. It feels like a wall in between me and the other person. So I have a really hard time with that. And I remember the need for me too, to actually share that because I didn't want to carry it around like a weight, you know, I didn't Mm -hmm. feel shameful about it. I felt like I wanted to share the love that I was developing for Kyle at that point was huge. I couldn't hold it anymore. It was, it was more than I can hold. And I wanted to share it because it was such a huge part of me in my life, but that's my story. I want to hear more about yours and maybe fast forward to where you are now or the, what prompted this idea to write the book and just that, that whole part of your journey. First of all, that what you described is so beautiful, like the way how you felt so much love for him and you wanted to put it out in the world. And I think that's what brought me here because so fast forward to now, me and Rob, we moved to New York. We were like very alone in the beginning because again, we didn't have that group of friends here. So like how we can be non-monogamous in this new city, mm-hmm. this new country, this new location with no friends. And then we end up we ended up meeting a couple of friends from Brazil here. We've never met them with them before. They were someone new to us. And it organically happened again that we hook up with them and we stood with them and they wanted to open their relationship for like two years, but they were too scared. And when they saw me and Rob, they started and, and we were like, again, oh my God, this connection, this friends, this is something that can start to happen. And we felt safe again to with them. And then of course, me and Rob, we've been together for a while. We started talking with these friends about like me and Rob wanting to have kids. These friends also want to have kids. And it's a whole new component in our life as a couple, because We learn how to be polyamorous in this binary world. We learn how to deal with that with adults, adults that understand us. But if I want to be a mother, and like you said, if I want to share that love that I I have for other people with my kids, how can I do that with them? How can I share? Like, how can me and Rob show our lifestyle to them in a way that is not oversharing, but is not undersharing as well? Because I feel like I have a lot of cousins and small kids around me in Brazil, And I was a kid that was always questioning everything, everything and everyone (laughs) in my huge village. (laughs) Yes. In my huge village, my huge community was always there to help me, uh, especially my parents split up. Like there was so many questions. My mom gave me so many books to, to help me try to understand it. And I was talking with Rob and I was talking with my friends and we were like, okay, if we were to have kids, what is going to be the next step? How can we talk to them? Me and Rob, we are non-monogamous, but we're not in a fixed relationship with anyone. But these friends are very close to us. We're always with them all the time. So how we can build this community to our kids in a different way, you know? Yeah. Oh, I love it. And I find that that's where our stories start to overlap even more because you 
are thinking about having kids and don't have kids yet. And I have kids and now they're five and we're just getting to that point where it would be great to have some books to read to them about our love because we, we use words. And like you said, you don't want to overshare, you know, you don't want to share more than what the kids can understand or like slightly a little bit beyond that, Mm -hmm. but then you don't want to undershare. And so for us, we've navigated this by just talking about love. Like when you, the kids don't, don't know and don't need to know anything about sex right now, but they know love and they can feel love. And so when we talk about that, and we've gone through many stages in the relationship of talking about somebody being over when Kyle was over a lot more, or when Marty was getting to know his partner and wanting to show affection and hug and everything. And we say, we hug the people that we love, or Mm -hmm. we kiss the people that we love and we spend time. And then when Kyle and I started sleeping regularly in the same bedroom, you know, that was okay. Well, we like to cuddle with the people that we love and, and be close to them. And so sometimes mommy sleeps in Kyle's bedroom. Sometimes mommy sleeps in daddy's bedroom. And that just, you know, we started to use words like that, but there's nothing in any books that I've found <laughs> that help children better understand that or to normalize it. Like right now it's normal to them because they don't have any other experiences and, you know, and, and they're really sweet. And I feel like they understand they understand it at the level, but that's because we've consciously done it with it. We've been, they've been around us as we've gone kind of step by step by step. But now as a parent, I'm and the reason I so love that you've created a book about this is that it would be great to normalize it with some writing, with a way that the kids can better understand it. And so your book, when I, I know that it's not published yet, that's you're doing a Kickstarter campaign for it, which I love. And I mm-hmm. we will share all the details so that people can support you in this process you have the manuscript, you have the text done, you have some of the images done. And what I love about the book is it's not specifically about a type of relationship. You talk about a color named love is just, it's all of these different ways that colors get combined into different rainbows and different people bring different colors and how beautiful that is. And I just reading, reading what you wrote, I cannot wait until this is a physical book in my hand that I can read to my children because I picture them totally understanding it and giving words and images to something that they already feel in their heart that is normal, but that to see it on a page, I'm just so, 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 so excited for that. <laughs> so thank you for writing this. And um, mm-hmm. ah, I don't know, I just said a whole lot there. What What is resonating <laughs> with you from the, from the side of being a parent? <laughs> no, I'm so, so glad to hear that from you. For me, it's really, really important to get that feedback from a mother, which is also polyamorous, which is also like, I know you told me before when we talked about how you had kids before, becoming Mm -hmm. polyamorous right Mm -hmm. so I think the way you navigate it is so natural and so beautiful to see because for me what I feel is exactly about that I don't have a kid yet so that's why I love hearing your opinion because that's what I want to give to my kids I want them to be born in a world that they have these resources because today I mean media and the everyone is kind of used now to talk about single parents, about same-sex parents. It's something that is getting common. Like, thank you, this is getting common. Mm-hmm. It's really important. But we don't see media. There are no shows, no movies, not a lot of books about families with polyamorous constitutions. Mm-hmm. Yes. So I think that for a kid, at least my kid, when when you start in the when you ask in the beginning, if I were looking for some resources when I became non-monogamous. Now I started looking for resources because Mm -hmm. now is a thing I don't understand. And when I started looking for books, movies, YouTube videos, anything about being a mother, there's a lot of things, but about being a mother in a polyamorous dynamic, there's nothing. 
It's mm. very, very, very little content, very, very little books. And especially for the kid, because some things for the parents we have, but for the kid, we don't have. So for mm. me, being able to write this book dedicated and directed to a child is really important to be able to share this love that you mentioned about. And in talking with my illustrator, we met in first grade in 97. She's also from Brazil and she's a mother. She got pregnant when we were very young. We were 18, if I'm not mistaken. Mm-hmm. And I've seen her grow so much as like a woman and a mother. And it's really good to have her as my illustrator because she brings that point of view of the kid, of how she educates her son. And I can bring the point of view of how to be polyamorous. And that's what made the book uh, become a reality. And I oh. thought it was really funny because when she was talking with her son about the book, he had so many questions because his mom is not polyamorous. And he was like, and she was like, but you know, a guy and a girl can be in love and they can love someone else. And then he said, that's cheating mom. And oh, for a kid yeah. to wow. know a word as strong as cheating so young is because we How live in a he? society. He's 10. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, yeah. Go ahead. We live in a society that we live mm-hmm. in a society that Kids are taught that. They are taught about the Prince Charming, about the one, about cheating. It's such a strong word. It's so, so strong. Mm -hmm. So it's really good for me to hear you're saying that because I want this book that brings all the colors and all the ways we can love someone. Bring this to my kid as a tool for him to not only understand more about love and different forms of love, but also to be feel empathy with a story that's common to his. Yes. Oh, that's beautiful. And you're so right. When you, so when you first started talking about media, my immediate reaction was that it's still so limited in how we represent relationships. And in, think about all the popular music. It's really about cheating and heartbreak and all of these like, and jealousy and jealousy as a proof of love and all of these things that are just I mean, it's still so the cultural norm that that is that is relationships and relationships are hard and, you know, you have to hold on to people and they're yours and and you're theirs. It's like there's still so, so much possession in all of that. And I do think about that as my kids watch shows and and there's such a lack of the what could be. I even think that there's still a lack of same sex couples and Mm -hmm. and single parents and all all the other arrays besides the binary, you know, monogamous heterosexual couple. couple. I think that we could still do a much better job representing far more than what we have right now. But yeah, what I love too in your story is I don't want to ruin the end, but that the (laughs) the child is thinking about, you know, what color is their love and what does that look like? Because they've seen all these different combinations of, of the colors together. And it's just, it's so beautiful. And I think it's not only a story about the relationship that they, you know, that they receive all these different things from the different adults in their life, but that also they realize that they have love that flows through them. And what does that look like? And it's just, yeah, it's really, really beautiful. And I'm excited for, for you in this process. Will you share a little bit more about what, what does this process look like for you? And where have you perhaps either been afraid or hit some blocks and where you're excited just from taking this from a, a little idea to now it's more than idea. It's, it's happening. And um, what are the next steps for you in that? So it's very scary because I'm quitting my job for that. Like I'm leaving everything that I have behind because I want to start something new from scratch And this book was just an idea. But when I started talking to parents that live in polyamorous dynamics and had kids, they were like, this is really good. We need this tool. And for me, it was like the first 
pushed to be like, go, you have to do this. And when I talked to the illustrator, she had done so many beautiful stuff that I thought would connect totally. So I was like, okay, good step. It's gorgeous. I've seen some of the illustrations. Gorgeous. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, they're so nice. And now we have the, I don't know if when we hear this podcast, we're going to already be launched the Kickstarter, but now we have the pre-launch link. So it has been very nice to keep up with the story and see how we promote the book. Yeah. Where could you use support? I'm not quite sure what date we're going to publish this. So when is your... When is the pre-launch? And then when the pre-launch is already happening. I even sent you the link uh, for the pre-launch. Link in the show notes. I'll say link in the show notes. (laughs) Okay. The launch is going to happen on November 10th. So whenever we launch on that week, it's fine. So we just launched the Kickstarter with the book. So we need your help to come and purchase the book and, and get it on Kickstarter because we need this book to be out there. I decided not to go with a regular publisher because sometimes they have such a long waiting period and sometimes they don't publish specific subjects. And this is a subject I really, really believe. And I think we have a huge community that can support this subject. That's why I created a crowdfunding platform because I hope you all, if you like the subject or if you like the book, you want to come and help us get this out in the world. And what I did to promote the book was I put it on Reddit groups the Poly family group on Reddit was amazing. Their acceptance, everyone was like, I will purchase this book. Can you translate to French? Can you translate to Portuguese? Oh, beautiful. Yes, and I was so happy. So I hope we can get this out and be translated in as much languages as possible. I'm trying to build some connections. If anyone who's listening uh, has someone you know that works in an NGO or in a place that helps families and support families in polyamorous dynamics, either legally or either other types of supports for diverse families, We want to donate some of the books if we reach the goals. So if you guys know a place that we can donate, we also are super open to that because the main goal with this book is spread this word around, spread this new form of love around, make it normal for children, make it normal for parents, make it normal and really start building up this conversation because what this book made for me was it started building up a conversation with my mom. Mm-hmm. So this is something that can open these doors really to help us talk with our parents, sometimes their grandparent, the child. There's a lot of questioning, not only from the kids, but also from the peers and also from our parents. So I just want this book to be like a, a key to open these doors of conversation and dialogues. Oh, that's amazing. So we've got a link. We'll put a link in the show notes for people to find your Kickstarter campaign. We will, you can keep us posted too and with updates and I can keep that in the show notes as well. For example, when the book is published and people are ready to buy it because this podcast will stay up for a long time, I hope. And uh, so people can find the book and order it. And I love that you decided to self-publish because that is so empowering for you to be able to keep it in your, I don't know, I just feel like it's so the ethos of polyamory. It's like, no, we're going to take hold of this and do it the way that we want to and not have someone else tell us how this has to look and how this has to exactly. Be. Yeah. And I do hope that you have this available in other languages. I was talking with Marty the other day and I feel like my own language skills, speaking French, speaking Spanish, I just have this funny feeling that at some point it's going to pay off in a way in, in this to share my polyamorous journey in more languages too. So I feel like that languages can be such a barrier, but when we can shift it, we've got the tool of language like you do. I hope that this becomes more popular too in Brazil. I imagine that you'll publish in Portuguese as one of your main languages as well. Yes, yeah. totally. <laughs> yeah. So bring me back to your life right now. 
So you're publishing this book, you are fully in this, the ethos of open relationships and where, I guess, where are you at? What challenges are you experiencing right now? Or what are the, what are some of the highlights of your life just having opened your, yourself and your relationship? So now the challenges I think everyone's facing is the pandemic. We have to stay at home. We're not going out. Me and Rob is always very organic. So we always meet new people at parties. We always meet new people in bars when we're out. We don't like usually use dating apps. We've tried, but we were a failure. (laughs) So for us now, it was a really bad timing for like opening our relationship this year. We want, we really decided New Year's if we wanted to go to more sex parties, wanted to go to more different things to experiment more and now we're like kind of stuck at home but a really really good thing that's happening is because of the pandemic and because of this stay at home moment we realize how important our community is how important this couple of friends that we have are for us because they were the ones we were seeing the whole pandemic they're the ones we're staying with together like that we have dinners that we chat they are like our safe group and we it was around may it was their birthday in May. They have birthdays on the same date. They were born on the same date and they're a couple. Yeah. Oh my weird. gosh. Wow. <laughs> but a lot of connections. So we went, we traveled, the four of us, we traveled to a house upstate. Mm-hmm. And it was amazing. Like one of us cooks breakfast for everyone. The other makes lunch. And then we had games at night and we played and we were together. And like, we didn't necessarily hook up, but we were in this like, moment and connection the four of us which was so so good mm-hmm. and we felt like this family and community that I talk so much this village so we just recently decided we want to move in together <laughs> so that's the next big step we're we're going through because um, me and Robbie want to go to Brazil now in the end of the year just to solve some things out visit our family but our plan is like January of next year moving together because this pandemic has made us see that living in a community is like gold everyone has their chores everyone helps you have someone to talk with it's it's so fun and like just me and rob at home alone it's very very tiring it's boring so we love this new way of living we don't know how it's gonna be hopefully we're gonna have babies in a big house hopefully we're gonna change the way we live so we're very excited for that Oh my God. I love that. And you know that you're singing my story as well in that. And, uh, we, we know even in a small way when Kyle was living with us, so it was Marty and I and our kids and then Kyle for five months. And I felt so fulfilled me personally, obviously it would be great to have Marty's partner there as well. And that's what we are aiming for. And I, I pictured that same life where it's just so much more fun when you have more people to lean on socially and you're right. Community is gold. It really, that is, I think a thing that we've just so taken for granted in our lifestyle or haven't prioritized. And if there's a silver lining of this pandemic, just knowing that the people that we're with, those relationships are, are one of the most important things in the world. And uh, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm sure that more and more people are figuring that out. Just like you said, when you're just living as a couple, you're, it's like there's, you're missing something there. And it's not that you don't have a beautiful love together, but I think we're meant to live in community. And I see that now more and more. We're living on a farm right now, a Maori farm in New Zealand. And uh, just having people around and to see my kids play with, with the other adults and to see those relationships forming and how much they're learning through other adults. I love it. It's, it's beautiful. And I think that the nuclear family, kind of all the responsibility of the parenting of children on a mother or father or whatever, two mothers, two fathers, just that, that pressure is immense. And I, I think we're seeing that that's just not sustainable. And hopefully more and more people will, will be living in more intentional communities. That's at least yeah. the future that but I imagine. 
Mm-hmm. It's so hard, like even when, because the society is so binary, like when we go to to look for apartments and they're like, oh, okay, but you know that if a family comes with a mom and a dad and the kids, they're going to be prioritized instead of you guys, right? Because you are for adults and it's like, maybe you're going to do parties, maybe it's going to be a problem. And then one the the guy from our couple of friends was like, well, but we're in almost our thirties. We're not teenagers. We're all graduated. We're like, we have PhD, please, like it's not similar. And then the person who was renting the house for us was like, no, no, yeah, it's not personal. I'm just telling you what it's overarching idea of the people who run the building. And we were like, yeah. So we knew we were going to face some of these issues. And this is something that definitely can happen because people are not used to a different kind of group, especially when you are adults, because they say, okay, teenagers can live together. It's like, you go to school, everyone has this place, it's fine. If you become an adult, you can't live together. You have to live with one person or have a kid. So Wow, yeah, you're right. Wow. Yeah. I totally agree. And even with kids, it feels it can feel weird to have other adults live in there. Oh my god, I mean, no. Imagine. Yeah, when we were renting our place here in New Zealand and I had to ex- well explain. I was like, "Oh yeah, we have a, our friend, my friends living with us." because I wasn't going to come out and just say like, oh, I have two partners and I'm living with my two partners. And, and even now when I share our story to people that don't know, I'm really hesitant to say like, yeah, we're trying to meet up with more of our friends. And I just kind of leave it like that. Like, oh, we travel around the world and try to be with our friends. And it is important. You know, they are obviously friends. They're more than friends, but that you're right. That's, we don't have necessarily that space, that cultural understanding of living with other adults. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Well, hopefully we'll, this will open that up as well. You know what I was thinking as a last comment for your, your book, just thinking back on the text and how you have it set up, I actually think it's really applicable for people that have separated as well, because they could still see that with their parents separated and their, their parents loving other people, it's kind of the same concept. I mean, obviously it's a much more, it, the characters in your book are all together in your story, but I also think that it, it could represent if kids had divorced parents or they could still see that love was still possible, you know, that, that different loves and different forms are still possible. So I think it, it reaches far beyond what you maybe are just intending right now because it is so beautiful. Mm -hmm. True. It makes total sense, especially like, because I really want to, since my parents split up, I really wanted to bring to the book, this thing about how kids get worried when someone leaves and Uh, us as children should be used to someone coming and living our life this is not only uh, something that's only for polyamorous relationships but everything in our lives like friends mm-hmm. come and go lovers come and go family members they pass away they come and go they travel so if a kid is used to this coming and going of people and it doesn't understand that's not because they don't love you it's because they had to go and the love is still there so that's totally applicable to all types of families because that's what I felt when I was small I felt very unloved when my dad left us. And now I have to go to psychologists and really try to understand why it's not my fault is things are like that. And how should I embrace that? So I think the book also portrays that in a sense. So yeah, for bringing that point. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. And I love that that was so intentional and I loved that part. Yeah. Just understanding that it's okay when a, when a love goes or when a color goes in, you know, in your book and that it can make way for other colors and it's joining other ones out there. And it's, it's really beautiful. So thank you, Mariana, for writing the book. I'm so honored to be just a small part of getting the word out there. 
and we'll continue to support you and obviously your personal journey as well as the journey that this book takes you on. And I hope it reaches corners far and wide in the world and many, many languages and <laughs> all those different colors that are out there. Um, do you have any last words or, re or requests of any listeners here? I think I already mentioned, but just to mention again, guys, please go to the Kickstarter link purchase the book, send to friends, send to family, send to everyone you think will have a connection with these loving relationships, all sorts of loving relationships, because for us, it's really, really important to have this book backed up in 30 days. If it, the full budget request is not backed up in 30 days, we lose the book, we can't publish it. So hopefully we will get this word out there and get this book and its colors in the world. So thank you for listening. And if you go there, please purchase a little book, help us put it out there. Thank you. And share on social media and share, 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 share. Yes, yeah, share, share, share with everyone, <laughs> please. Yeah. Thank you, Mariana. Thank you for sharing your story. Thank you for reaching out. It's just been a pleasure. And I do hope to stay in touch with you and follow your beautiful journey. Thank Thanks. you so much. Thank you for listening. It was a great talking to you and meeting you as well. Thank you. Thank you so much for joining us on another episode of Amory. We've got so much more that we want to share with you. And our podcast isn't the only platform. We've got written stuff, we've got videos, and we put everything. We've got 50 plus posts now and more and more every day of all of our private journal entries. We're talking our intimate content here. Um, and that's for those of you who wish to go on a deeper journey with us. Um, we think that there's so much more value that we can share with a smaller group of people who are really ready to do the work in your own lives. If that's you, please take a look at our Patreon page at patreon.com backslash Podcast. There's so much more that we'd love to share with you. Um, and if you're not able to contribute at a monthly basis, you can always share us. Share with your friends, do a post. We appreciate anything that you can do to help us get the word out to have more vulnerable conversations in this world. Thanks again.